Hello, guys. Uh, welcome to the Shoes Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Murphy. And uh, today I'm joined with uh, a, a lovely lady that's going to be helping me out with some co-hosting duties. But I'm going to leave it to introduce herself. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Okay, thanks, Alex. So, um, yeah, I'm Amy. Um, I've known Alex for a while and we work really well together um, when we chat. We really chat. So oh, yeah. when he was looking for a co-host, I just jumped at the chance to do it. Um mum i'm um going through a bit of a new woman stage which is why i said yes to alex so quickly to help him with this and um i can natter for england <laughs> that's exactly what we need it's exactly what we need. I'm, I'm really happy to be working with you because like you said we, we've I've, you've been on the biscuit a couple of times before and um and we do we're getting really deep with it so that's that's i'm, I'm really happy to have you here so thank you for joining the team and uh, i've no, got to explain exciting. I've got to explain that uh, nothing bad's happened between the other Biscuiteers, uh, Shane and Jules. Uh, Jules is uh, making an amazing change in her life and moving. I, I keep saying she's been selfish. She needs to stop saying that. She's not. She's making an amazing change and moving to Scotland. And uh, and Shane's got a new job and he can't commit. So I had to get bring in some new fresh blood. Some fresh blood. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and today I want to say thank you to Alex Ashton as well. We've been on the show before. We've um, we, we talked about a pendulum racing team at with D four drivers. How are you, Alex? You right? Yeah, very well. Thank you. It's good to good to be on the show. Yeah, and we're speaking to Dr. Joe Pearson today. We're going to be talking a bit about um, return to work anxiety because um, it's been it uh, has been talked about an awful, awful lot, um, especially with the podcast and stuff. I've heard it. You know, people going back to the office, and um, even with my colleagues themselves, my wife as well is in a particular situation where we can actually benefit from talking about that. Um, Dr. Joe, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, very exciting. Thanks for having me on. Um, so are you are you Shrewsbury based doctor or do you move around? What's what's your position? No, so um I'm in South Wales, I'm in Cardiff. Um and but I also uh, I've I've joined um Myoc Health uh, recently. Uh, so I'm a GP but also an occupational health physician. And I come to Shrewsbury every now and again, um, but also, you know, looking after the other aspects of the business. So we visit Wolverhampton and um Birmingham and things like that. Yeah, because um occupational health is obviously what we're talking i mean it's, it's, it's a universal thing really uh, it doesn't matter where we're talking in wales uh, where we're talking about shrewsbury uk or even in the states whatever i mean this is something that everyone can benefit from listening to and um, because we've we've all got sent into our caves disappear not me i work for it guys i mean i, I carried on <laughs> i was a hero um <laughs> i carried on working for it, but a lot of people got sent back to their caves sort of um work on your own um teach yourself loads of bad habits sit in your pajamas and your slippers and tap away at your laptop and then expected to walk back into work and everything to be hunky-dory but it doesn't just work like that does it dr joe you know i mean the thing i mean it was such a massive overhaul for everyone let's be honest i mean um emotionally physically geographically um and things will won't be the same again i mean people became very unwell people lost people i mean you gotta think it, it was it was earth shattering for so many people uh, and the yeah. adaption that we had to make overnight literally was you know it's not really in the human condition to do that and we had to change so quickly uh, that there's going to be some fallout because of that and then, of course, you flip it around and say, right then, guys, back into work. Then you've got to change again. That's a massive struggle, you know? Yeah, um, it, it is. It's, it affects every aspect of life, I think. 
you know, with with work, where we go into the shops, uh, <laughs> whether, you, you know, you enjoy going on holiday, uh, going to nightclubs or where whatever it is you want to do. I mean, I went to Ske- Skegness a few weeks ago. I laughed because it was it was it was an experience um but we the best thing was the entertainment right we went to the entertainment the club the entertainment the red coats and all that sort of stuff it was fantastic but it was a venue that was made for two thousand people and boy was there two thousand people in there and i was like wow this is a lot of people i haven't been around this many people in a long time and it was on my mind constantly Weird, well right? it is yeah because yeah we, we got used to uh you know two meters and staying away and not touching mm-hmm. things and you know the normal day-to-day human interaction it, it just broke down um i mean my youngest girl she she's nine and um you know after a while she was literally just going out saying at ah, two meters <laughs> you know <laughs> it became part of who she was and i thought this is awful for you you're only nine and you know sanitized your know, mask and i thought really but of course it's necessary it was absolutely Im- imperative but yeah that, yes. that that behavioral change that we had to do um and then how do we then start modifying that to get back in especially when we're given such contradictory information sometimes it's a massive challenge um i did some work with uh, dr joanna dodd massey um give her um, a look a look up she writes books she, she wrote a book about culture shock she came on my show and we were talking about covid and and how it affected people and one of the things that she mentioned was that actually um when people were feeling mental health issues because of covid and and there was a rise in mental health issues especially domestic with domestic abuse as well we've got to talk about that but um yeah, she was saying that the world was feeling grief everyone was grieving for the loss of the world and it made so much sense right that's <laughs> just an incredible yeah, thing to think about. yeah i mean i mean you think about the stages of grief you know um you know from you know denial through to acceptance and things like that and we, we all went through it and some people are still in the denial phase and uh, and some people are not going to get to the acceptance phase. And yeah, it is it is a grief reaction, absolutely. Um, and this has profound effect on mental well-being. I mean, the evidence is clear that, you know, ice, being isolated is not the natural human state of things. Uh, it, you know, it actually, um, isolation and loneliness, it leads to an increased risk of cognitive decline. And you say, I see this with my patients, especially the elderly, you know, they, they've become mentally deconditioned. They, they, wow. The things that they used to do day to day that kept them going, they stopped doing. And then they, they actually then almost forget what to do or they worry about they're doing it right. And physically they're deconditioned, but mentally. And you see this with with all with all of us, really, is, you know, our, our normal day-to-day interaction has altered. And predominantly at the front of that is fear initially and that anxiety. And that curbs our natural behavior. Uh, and it's going to take a long time to recorrect, I think. Mm. You- if I can just jump in, I've got to admit, I have seen people are now more intense about the small things in life and get really focused on one small thing because we can't control the big stuff anymore. Um, we can't even control from that moment that. Boris Johnson did the announcement on TV, we felt we were no longer in control of our own lives. Um, and and then we started focusing on the small things. And I think, um, I don't know whether, so what do you think about social media and mental health during COVID, I think was quite a big issue. I think people began to 
feel they could say what they like behind the safety of their screens. And now they're taking that into the real world. And I think I feel a lot of people have become more angry because they were able to do it from a faceless position. And now they're back in amongst people and it's face-to-face anger nowadays. Uh, not me. I, I never get angry about it. Oh, no, you're lovely. Absolutely but, lovely. <laughs> but a lot of people are. And I think that that's a huge mental health issue is anger and frustration. Um, oh, I, it's a fascinating thing you say. I mean, social media is, um, you know, everyone keeps on talking about it. It's here. It's massive. I mean, my, my eldest yeah. daughter, I mean, she lives for it, clearly. Personally, I, I, I come off all of it. I just think it's toxic. Um, mm. that, constant state of awareness that you have to maintain to keep to be on top of things you know that is anxiety provoking um you know the, the amount of you know your, your brain reacts in a, in a stress response you produce cortisol adrenaline you know this pumps your heart faster your blood pressure goes up your cortisol causes increasing cholesterol in your blood you know and this is bad for your physical health um and you're right what people then how they behave online can be absolutely atrocious uh, I, yeah. I, I find it often a very, more a toxic environment than a supportive one. And I think that's tragic because it's, it's never meant to be. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I did have to remove a social media while I went away because I, I wanted time with my family, right? And I didn't want to be, yeah. be worrying about other things. And um, I do feel like there are certain aspects of, of society that thrive on that those comment threads just going out of control um the clickbait that whether it's nasty whether it's good whether it's oh see who's going to be the new batman or something whatever it is like there, there just always seems to be some way of wiring someone to do as they're told or to act a certain way and i just i was like i don't need that while i'm spending time with my family i think you gotta be able to do that though if you feel like you're in a situation where you can't switch you can't delete facebook just for a few weeks or a week or so if you can't do that i think you've probably got a problem you know. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at it. I mean, the way a lot of things are marketed, I mean, they, they, they go down the route of how people like gambling companies and, you know, tobacco companies and, alcohol, you know, it, it, it promotes addictive behavior. The, uh, and, and they do very well from that. Um, and, you know, they've got to keep your eyes, you know, they, they want your eyes all the time and they battle yeah. for it. Um, but it also, uh, from a parent's point of view, because I parented alone, um during the pandemic and there were days when all I did want to do was put on my comfy clothes put on Netflix and that was our day done and um and then it looked to to it appeared that the rest of the world was having fun and creating model I don't know statues of liberty out of a cornflake packet and so then (laughs) from a mental health point of view and an anxiety point of view for us parents who were actually being real and having days when we didn't do anything, we felt inadequate. And with them, we felt cut, more cut off and more lonely because we weren't we weren't teaching our three-year-olds A-level maths during our free time or the yeah, you became quite... Um, there were days when I, I myself felt as if I was really failing myself and my children during the pandemic. Um, because it looks like everybody else has perfection, doesn't it? But all you're yeah. seeing is one photo. I mean, I'm quite a reasonable person. You can see that actually the truth behind that photo is probably your kid sat on the sofa and you did that and you just took a photo and then everybody fell out. 
but that's not but the betrayal is it for and that affected mental health a huge amount i think yeah and i think it's just a gulf isn't it between expectation and reality and and that affects a lot of people you know they they expect or, or or think what they want and then the gulf then is actually what they can have yeah and what the actually actually is happening and i think social media kind of break there's no difference people don't understand that actually what a lot of people are doing is not actually happening uh, most people are like you they're just in their in their cozy trousers watching netflix and enjoying yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> but going back because we were out of the you know the lockdowns etc i think maybe sometimes it's helping um i ha- have just ripped social media to pieces and actually i do love social media so but um people are able to find out about events they're able to find out about social things that are happening and uh restaurants and event organizers are allowed to sort of publicly post how the measures they're taking to keep you safe so i suppose if we flip it there are good sides to it it's keeping everybody together so that we can still be a community absolutely i mean yeah i mean we don't mean to demonize the entire thing it's, i think no. that would be that would be lazy thinking uh, but it's akin to you know when you when you go out or if you go into a pub or a restaurant you know who do you hang around with and talk to you don't talk to a stranger from across the road and shout your opinion at him do you you know you, you i do you know. a lot i'm joking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Oi>! <laughs> that's probably why you're on the radio alex <laughs> but, um, you know it's about choosing what what suits you and and not getting sucked into stuff which you don't really need in your life yeah Alex, I thought I'd give you a chance to weigh in on this. Is there anything you've seen about in the office and what have you that that reflects on what we're talking about? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, I've only joined the Myoc Health team uh, three months ago, but from my previous job, when the, all the lockdown kicked in, um, some people maintained their sort of workplace in the office. You know, there's the what they call the, the necessary workers, you know, like NHS staff and mm. and so on. Um, and then the majority of us were working from home. Um, I just sort of the, the mentality, if you will, it, it shifted compared to, you know, what it was prior in, the, in 2019. Um, I think people had different views on how workloads were carried out, um, how we sort of interacted with one, with one another as well. There's not that sort of office banter, if you will, anymore. And I, I certainly noticed as we came back into the office that it almost sort of uh, died down in some respects. Um, mm. I, I don't know. I think it's almost like a, a, a sort of mental side effect, if you will, from uh, having been isolated from one another for so long. But with with uh, with office banter and your friends and stuff, also comes office drama. I work in an office, so does my <laughs> wife. I know it happens, right? Office <laughs> dramas happen an awful lot. And my wife actually switched jobs during COVID. Um, mm. She started working for another company, which I won't mention, because I don't want to put the company into disrepute. But anyway, <laughs> not that I would on the shoes of Biscuit, but you never know, do you? Uh, anyway, um, so, and she's only ever been to the office once. She's been working for the company for months. Uh, they, they sent a box with a laptop and a phone, and away she went, you know, and it was such an alien world for us. To, that's how you do a job now. They send you a laptop in the post. Weird, right? Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Like, you know, my partner as well, she, um, bear in mind, we're now in 2021. She uh, applied mm. for this uh, uh, this job back in uh, 2020, finally got the approval in 21. And then after her first week, again, like you say, she's been sent laptop, booklets, pens, everything and it's just it's so 
like you say, alien and just sort of foreign, if you will. Um, but yeah, just just having you know spoken to her personally from uh, you know working from home, she's she's still feeling the uh, the sort of downside and the uh, the mental strain from being at home all the time. I mean, yeah, and the, the, so the productivity is up uh, massively. Uh, my wife's manager has said that the, the team that they put together that work just at home, the productivity is off the scale. It's amazing. But there's an anxiety there when it comes to, am I doing the right thing? I need someone to ask. There's no one to ask. There's no cubicle next to me. Oh, my God, am I doing the right thing? Um, but at the same time, they can just call each other and stuff as well. So it, it is, it is, it's just all about adapting and making sure. But that initial anxiety uh, and the, the problems that, that Amy's saying at home, looking after your kids, I'm glad that Timmy was the age he was in year one in school and not in, in year 11 preparing for his GCSEs. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, jump to college. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd have probably ruined his life. Um, <laughs> so we can, I can understand why there's so many raises in mental health, but there's also um, the people that were already um, suffering from mental health issues before the pandemic began. And so that's just added onto it. It's just this bulk mass of people that need really need help. And there wasn't and it wasn't an awful lot there that they, people could do, right? Dr. Joe? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, mental health um, is a, it's a huge, huge topic. It, it spans lots of different, um, you know, conditions. But the main one, of course, is panic, anxiety and depression. Um, it's the main cause of workplace absence. Um, and it's the main reason why anyone calls their, their doctor. Um, in my day-to-day work, you know, it's the number one reason why people call through. It's prevalent. I mean, uh, they reckon probably one in five, really now probably one in four of the population will have a mental health problem. Um, and this is getting worse, as you say. Yeah. But it's also, you know, a lot of it, people are now thankfully talking about it. Uh, and part of yes, my mission I is have to noticed that. Yeah, you're right. About it and, and to be open with it and, and to get managers to actually be a bit more proactive and, and aware of it and, you know, just tap people on the shoulder and say, how are you doing today? Because we know that discussing it actually eases the burden a little bit. Uh, and, and early intervention is cheap, effective, uh, and it shows empathy, compassion. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's widespread, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be. No, no. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been talking about this for a long time now, especially with empathy. Um, and, you know, it's, we've seen two different things with the, with the pandemic. We saw people rushing out and, you know, rinsing the shelves of pasta and, and toilet rolls, uh, even recently with the petrol stations queuing up and they're fighting over fuel and stuff. Um, so there's then horrible things that you see, but you also see lots of um, community things, you know, uh, Marcus Rashford and the movement he started with people making sure kids are fed during the pandemic. Um, you know, there's so many charities that had to evolve and people helped them too. Lots of events that were put together to help charities because they couldn't go out and fundraise. We saw so many great positive things during lockdown that I was just like, it was, it was the, which, which way do I go? Am I angry at people or do I love them? I don't quite know. Um, <laughs> it's a difficult situation. Um, but what, what one thing I have, I've heard, I've learned about it and, you know, that's working with Lingen Davis for the last sort of year or so planning pod aid is you know the, the issues that we're having with diagnosis and people being sort of worried about going out to the, to the gp worrying whether are they, am i overwhelming the, the, the nhs by going to the doctors because i've got a co- like where how what have you seen about that joe dr joe is is, it, is that something that is still going on are people scared to go to the doctors yeah well absolutely you know at the beginning of the pandemic you know um we we were kind of working you know long days just trying to 
plan for what's going to happen throughout the pandemic. You know, um, you know, we're, we're kind of stocking up people with chronic chest disease with antibiotics and steroids in case they needed them. We were looking at people like the rheumatoid patients. What if they had a flare up? You know, every sort of sector we had to break down, preempt what might happen and, and plan for it. Um, and, and that was a massive challenge. But what happened then, of course, and then people stopped coming and leaving. So we had a fallow period of about not long, six, eight weeks, uh, and then things started happening again. But you're dead right. Um, the cancer diagnoses, they weren't coming in, which was we were you know, keen to see people if they were worried. They just didn't come. Um, and now you're in a situation now, unfortunately, where uh, general practice is understaffed, literally overwhelmed. Um, I, I'm in almost any, every other day at my wife's practice because their doctors are either sick and they can't turn up. People forget that doctors get sick. Um, or they can't get the staff and they can't get locum. So they drag me in, shows how desperate they are. <laughs> but this is it, you know, there's, there's not enough bodies on the ground to do the job and the job's getting harder and harder and people can't get access literally because there's no space to see them. When, mm -hmm. when you go into a general practitioner and they've got their list is full and extras, you know, are over 100 a day, that's normal. Wow. Wow. And I've got to say, um, I have um, a skittle-sized lump on my arm. I've been talking about this on the show, so it's, this is nothing to you. It's a little skittle-sized lump underneath my arm, and I was worried about it. Went to my GP. They bought me um, uh, some blood tests and a, and a scan, and I went. Um, they were fantastic. There, was no, there were no delays, and I was very lucky, fortunately. And it's not cancer, which is great. Um, <laughs> but that, that's how easy it is, and you should definitely get these things checked out. Um, if you if you if you're worried, don't be worried about going to the doctors and delay it and delay it and delay it because that's what's caused this backlog, right? Of, of, oh, good of grief! Yeah, you know what? And you know this is exactly it. You know, if you have something, you know, for example, a, a prolonged cough, or you're losing weight and sweating at night for you know more than a week and things like that, uh, you, you the doctors will see you. They're, they're desperate to see this type of thing. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that they don't want to see, uh, which doesn't shouldn't really be on on a doctor's list. Um, you know that are beyond the doctor's remit. They end up there. But yeah, please, please, you know the message is: if you are worried that you might have something serious, you you, you contact your doctor. They'll be happy to see you. Um, have you felt about this, Amy? Have you been going to doctors like normal, or have you been sort of putting that off? Um, I haven't been to the doctors uh, for a while. Um, no, I, I have to admit that I um had an my an ms diagnosis during lockdown and i was treated incredibly well um from the initial phone call that wasn't even a phone call about that um to having scans etc so i i have found that they yeah just honestly speak to a doctor um because they are still there and they are, do still exist and they do want to help because that's why they're GPs and doctors, isn't it? It's there. Um, I have nothing but praise and I haven't found any problems at all with them. I, I suppose body language, and, and again, it's a whole new thing, isn't it? Because as humans, we interact and a lot of the unsaid is the important stuff but the unsaid stuff doesn't transmit over a phone call as easily um, you're absolutely spot on amy i mean you're right um and it's not how we were trained it's not how we'd like to do things but no. unfortunately you know you're stuck between a rock and a hard place you've got people who are immunocompromised you know who are coming in to see you because they're 
they could be you know desperately unwell and you can't have them sitting next to somebody who could be carrying a fatal viral illness you know you know that is the reality of it um the the old days would be able to wander in and spread things to people who are very unwell not just you know your average these people are coming to see the doctor because they're very worried they are so vulnerable and you've got to look after them and it's absolutely tragic the way it's become and the, you know, this hybrid, I think, of computer consultations and face-to-face will continue. Um, I just think it's sad that, unfortunately, certain aspects of media and government have just portrayed it in such a negative light, when at the end of the day, it's been the service being completely underfunded for so long. And even then, yeah. you refer, we've got waiting lists that don't measure in weeks anymore. They measure in years. Gosh, wow. really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the moment, in South Wales, if you were, if you got a bad hip, um, and you, you know you want to see a doctor. They'll see you. you. Said right, okay. You need to see an orthopedic surgeon before you see an ortho, you see an orthopedic surgeon. That's going to take you seventy weeks. Wow. Then you have to wait for the operation, and that's about another seventy to eighty weeks. Gosh. Hop along and get on with it. And then, <laughs> well, you see, Alex, that's kind of um, when you hear those timescales, then you then think, oh, well, what's the point? Yeah. Of me, yeah. don't you? Um, yeah, and I suppose, like you say, we would then hop along and get on with it because what is mm. the point if it's going to take, especially for maybe the elderly, they sort of will think, well, really, what is the point in me waiting two or three years to get my hip replaced um, because I'm old? So what's the point? And I'm not saying that's my uh, my attitude towards because uh, you know I'm very close to quite a few people that are a lot older than me and they're so relevant but they don't think they are do they so they wouldn't want to waste I think time. it's all about stubbornness isn't it and that's that's the thing with me right I'm like I'm, if I'm ill I'm like I'll be all right I I'm fine seriously I don't want any fuss I don't want to go to yeah. doctors my wife calls me a hypochondriac but I'm really not I'm very rarely ill but when I am <laughs> ill I get knocked for six because you know oh we all know about it Alex <laughs> my immune system's like you what you want to come in my body no nah, i don't think so off you go <laughs> but I, I guess um you know when it comes to like the release of covid and the, the lockdown should i say and you know covid isn't going away it's still there we're sort of dealing with it differently now we're having to sort of step out and, and become more open with the world you know so those agoraphobic sort of tendencies that we built up over lockdown uh, especially when it comes to the office you know um working with other people um we have to sort of relax that a bit now and we like you know you say you were saying earlier dr joe we've had to retrain ourselves how to do one thing and then retrain ourselves how to do another and then it's this constant we don't know how to react anymore you know when it goes it comes to going outside this is uh, i'm talking about me and skegness in a club thinking there are so many people over there. What I didn't know what to re- how to react. It's a panic for everyone. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, you, you've got initially kind of the fear and panic over a situation, and you get the fight and flight, and you know I need to get away, and 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 that makes sense initially, but then that moves on then to anxiety, this feeling of worry about kind of the future that you can't quite get your hands on and that anxiety eats away uh, at you at your confidence and it kind of robs you of your personality in a way um and the same goes for getting back into the workplace you know but we know that being away from the workplace is terribly bad for your mental health we, we know this mm. um hybrid working is going to be the way forward but the key to this you see about getting like is acknowledging anxiety and i think in a workplace managers to acknowledge that you know what people are still worried how do you help 
And the key to that is, is communication. It's being kind. It's saying, listen, you know, I, I know that it's been a tough year. I know things are different and we've you've had to change to adapt. We need to kind of readapt now. So let's just sit down and work it through together. It, it's, it's kind of being empathetic and having what we call like concordance agreement, you know, rather than yeah. you do as I say. Uh, and, and people will come along. I mean, most people are absolutely reasonable and they want to work. But I think it's just, it's, it's a route. It's, it's a journey that needs to be gone through together. Absolutely. And sometimes, though, you, you feel like you're doing the right thing. And I mean, the, the clap for the NHS thing started out as such a positive thing that everybody said, oh, my God, I'm looking forward to doing the clap on a Thursday night. And then everybody started judging, didn't they? They were kind of like, oh, yeah. they're not out today. And then it was like, oh, my God, they're out not wearing a mask and they're clapping for the NHS. How, how hypocritical. It got one of those things where it was just it turns something really positive to really negative. Um, and it just goes to show that, you know, you can do something nice. And it's just going to get spun around into something really sort of not positive at all. Um, but, but I think we just got to get on with it. And when it comes to the workplace, my work's been really good, by the way. They sent us out a Kit Kat with a thing saying, well done for your hard work. You, you were given a Kit Kat? A Kit Kat in the post. And oh, I was on keto at the time. I was, in a ki- I was on keto at the time. I was like, <laughs> I can't eat it. Give it to the kid. Thanks. Cheers for that. But I got the message. I got it. You know, the, 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 like you said, between a rock and a hard place, right? What are they going to do? They're going to send me a, a Mercedes round for me. Do you know what I mean? Well done for working. Here's a thousand pounds worth of whatever. I, they can't do that. So a Kit Kat. Well, across if, you, a, if you're keto, they could, they could have sent you an egg. Oh, well, yeah. Possibly, you know, some keto would have been nice. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> with what you're doing now, Dr. Joe, you're, trying to rebuild things now and sort of help people pick up the pieces when it comes to the, 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 the day-to-day. All right, you're going back to work. Let's start a process. Let's get you to a point where you are ready to actually step into the office and not feel like you're going to have an anxiety attack. What's that been like for you working on that? Yeah, well, you know, I've had quite a lot of cases uh, of people, you know, who uh, have really struggled going back to work. And the things you hear of, I, I don't want to leave or go to work until it's all over. Um, and, you know, you hear, well, I don't think my workplace are being empathetic to to my anxiety. And it's, it's a real challenge to say, well, for instance, as you alluded to before, it's not all over. Uh, coronavirus, this particular one will be with us forever. I mean, Spanish flu is still hanging around, right? But it doesn't cause any damage much. But these viruses don't ever go away. So it's just kind of, you know, communicating to people that, you know, what we need to do here is look at the difference between risk and hazard. Um, you know, the idea that um, the hazard is there, it's coronavirus, but the risk is what's the likelihood of you becoming unwell with it. And talking about risk and hazard is helpful. Uh, and it kind of tends to focus people. Actually, you know what? Yeah, the hazard is there. However, if you wear a mask in crowded places, you've ventilated, you know, you, you hybrid work, you look after yourself, you look after your physical and mental well-being, your risk comes down. Uh, and, and that's really important to convey. Um, and also talking to managers and saying, listen, you know, you really need, as I said before, is to talk with people and understand stress happens, intervene early and offer support um, early. And, you know, th- one of the things we did was we set up uh, an online counselling service. Uh, with the idea being that, you know, yes, it's hard to get to see your your general practitioner. Count- and, you know, the NHS is overwhelmed and there are alternatives that are cheaper Uh, And they offer support. And I think early counselling sometimes is just all you need just to acknowledge the stress, give people a few little tips about how they can manage it and, and, and empower them, you know. Do you have an event, business or promotion that needs advertising? 
Well, the Shrewsbury Biscuit is here for you. With listeners local, nationwide, even worldwide, we have the perfect place to get the word out. And the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast is a registered CIC, so you'd be helping us while we help you. Drop us a line at shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com and speak to us today. The Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, the voice of Shrewsbury. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you're talking about how people are talking a bit more about mental health and stuff. We have, as uh, you know, the shoes of Biscuit, we've always been open about mental health. You know, we've always talked about it very positively, very regularly. Uh, you know, we'll always welcome it because, you know, I suffer from social anxiety. I am, um, Amy will contest it. When, when, when I when I speak, spoke to Amy in a shop, you know, last year, whatever, year, I come and say hello. I'd be like, yeah, how, how are you? You okay? Yeah. 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 I don't know. And a great day. Yeah, it's really good. Get me behind the microphone. I'm like, hi. <laughs> you know, it's really weird. I'm like, we always talk about these things and, and people are readily talking about it. And I feel like, you know, you're talking about empathy and how that's growing in people. I think like the more we talk about these things, oh my God, yeah, I'm going back to work too. I mean, what have you been doing? I've been doing this. You've been doing yoga. Have your breathing exercises? That's cool. I might go home and try that. These kind of things that people talk about, it's, it's a healthy process, right? Have you seen any, any of that, Amy? Have you seen, have you had any conversations with this with your girlfriends about going back to work or anything like that? Um, I have to admit that what myself and my girlfriends are doing is a lot more self care. Um, we um, I run a small Instagram page uh, called Sister Listers, and we try to encourage ladies. Uh, men can join in, but you know it's mostly ladies. To now that we're back out in the world a little bit more, think of something that you would really like to do and stop saying I'd like to do that one day and do it. And it might be yoga. Uh, I see a lot more women uh, cold water swimming. And that's not only really good for mental health uh, because you laugh a lot, you swear a lot. um, You are completely... um, divulged into it that's not the right word but plunged into cold water and and it's so good for you so what I'm seeing is a lot more self-care and I'm really trying to normalize that amongst my friends actually um but um I think that anxiety can appear in different forms it can appear that you say you've got a bad back (laughs) actually you possibly haven't got a bad back but you're stressed and it's releasing itself in some other way. And so, yeah, I've got to admit, I'm pretty good at trying to encourage people to talk, to try and uh, distract themselves or change their direction a little bit so that, okay, you don't want a night out, so how about we go for a really long walk on the long wind? Or, and that's working. A, a good support group. Um, has helped incredibly yeah and i know and i know like there's a difference between you know sort of chilling with your mates and having that positive reinforcement with your friends oh. and going to counseling uh dr joe um but i feel like these things must help right it must help to be able to go out there and have a support structure behind you as well as professional help right Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's heartening to hear Amy's experience because this is, you know, you're preaching to the converted Amy. I mean, this, this idea, I mean, cold water swimming, I love it. I mean, uh, my, my wife thinks I'm nuts, but you know, it's absolutely restorative. <laughs> you know, you're quite literally immersed. It's amazing. Right? 
It's amazing. Yeah. But it is. It's about little things that you can do for yourself. For example, really focusing on your diet. We know a really good diet is is instrumental. I mean, this is an interesting thing for you. You may not know. It's, you know, it's serotonin. We talk about it. One of the chemicals that we need for our mood, right? Most people think it's made in the brain. 70 to 80% of this is actually made in your gut. Um, oh. And what you eat matters. Yeah, exactly. What you eat matters. And we know that, you know, sort of the, the microbiome, microbiome in your gut, that has a massive effect on how much serotonin you make. Um, at, and it also has a massive effect on your immunity, which is about 70 to 80 percent, you know, gut mediated as well. So for your health and well-being and protection against illnesses, you've got to eat yourself better. Um, you know, this is my my major driver here. It's like you have so much that you can do. It's not the stuff you can't. It's what you can do. Eat well, exercise, talk, laugh, jump in cold water. You know, and these are the things that are so emotionally restorative and give you some sort of resilience. Um, but actually, on a physical way as well, you actually can eat yourself happier, <laughs> swim yourself happier and healthier. So, yeah, dead right. What Amy's doing is, if Amy carries on doing that, you know, the waiting list will go right down. <laughs> Be more Amy. Is this what you're saying? Be you? more. <laughs> that, that is a T-shirt waiting to happen. I'm telling you, yeah. What would Amy do? <laughs> have you picked uh, Have you picked anything up new, Alex, during lockdown that um, is kept you busy or kept you happy? New new skills or anything? I think just referring back to the sort of uh, social anxieties, really. Um, I found even through sort of isolation, I was able to keep in the, in touch with my friends. You know, especially through social media. So giving it that more positive light, if you will. Uh, and I think slowly but surely, as we've come out of lockdown, I, I found myself being a lot more. Uh, sociable in person as well so it's almost as if that sort of uh, that skill and confidence has transitioned across despite being in you know isolation for such a period of time um i, I, just, I just find that i'm able to you know sort of uh, laugh a bit more and enjoy you know the, the times that i spend with my friends because it's almost I've, I've missed it you know i've not truly you know um appreciated it or given it the right sort of experience that it deserves I found myself like missing like the cinema and things. I I, I mm. love the cinema, you know. And my wife's got like, did we get free tickets every Monday because of a O2 contract, whatever? Um, so every Monday before, well, every work, every now and again, I'll go before I go to work, do my night shift. I'll go and sit and watch a Marvel movie at the cinema by myself <laughs> on the back row. But do you know what? I'm absolutely enjoying it. I love it. I'm like, oh, the ambiance, the noise. I love it because we didn't have it for a bit, you know. Yeah, also, exactly. you go on your own. No one can judge your snacks. <laughs> I'll turn, I'll, you know I'll, I'll eat my dinner to save a bit of time to turn it with a spaghetti bolognese on the back row <laughs> that's a joke i would never do that i would never do that joke. <laughs> well sim simple steps though are you, you know um if you're feeling socially anxious what would you what would you um medically what would you suggest to to patients to try and get them through that anxiety dr joe well, I think the first thing is, is try not to, you say medically, but try not to medicalize. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really important because, you know, it's understanding the human condition, I think, is it, so important. Um, we shouldn't be thinking, you know, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, therefore I need something. You know, we should be looking a bit deeper here and actually exploring why, if you can. And if you can't, get somebody to talk to. So that is, you know, friends, family, your social structure. It's really important that you have one. And if none of that's working, you know, talk to your boss about it. And, you know, counselling might help. But it's conversation that will help most people. Um, be honest. 
by yourself. Yeah, absolutely being honest and being open because you'll find that you're speaking to someone who's probably gone or is going through the same thing. Uh, and that's the most important thing. I think, the, you know, the breakdown of, the, of, of a lot of like generational families, uh, you know, your grandmother would, would have told you what to do. I say to a lot of people when they're getting over the virus, I said, look, just do what your grandmother would tell you to do, you know, <laughs> because that, that wisdom sometimes is lost. Um, so medically, I would say don't medicalize. Uh, start looking out for more things. Do What would Amy do? <laughs> I really am enjoying this. <laughs> but we won't ask what my nan would do because it would probably be spit on a hanky and wipe my cheek or something. Well, <laughs> she's probably giving you quite a lot of you know immunity there through the saliva. She probably did. <laughs> when 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 I used to you know stay off school because I was ill or something, it'd be um, uh, some some tomato soup and Rosie and Jim on the TV. There you go. Sorted. <laughs> there we are. Put, put that on a prescription, Alex. I mean, you know, uh, but th- there are there are dangers of slipping into sort of um, the, the bad habits that we, we kind of should stay away from. You know, if you're feeling sad, grab some chocolate, or you know, if you want to do so if you're if feeling bored, um, um, you know, and you want to do a bit of research, you end up going down the the YouTube wormhole or something. You know, silly little things that we probably shouldn't do. Little bad habits. Uh, whether it's I don't know whether it's drinking alcohol, video too many video games, masturbation, anything like that, anything that's negative, you know, I'm gonna say it's it's, it's normal, it's fine. We can, we're adults, but the, there are negative things and behaviours that you might pick up whilst you've been in lockdown that you've got to kind of get rid of now. And are you seeing a lot of that, Doctor Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what we call them is maladaptive coping mechanisms, and we all have them. Let's be honest with ourselves, we do. I mean, no, none of us lead you know, a perfect monastic life, really. I mean, life would be too boring without it, but it is, you know, am I doing something too much? Am I eating too much? Am I drinking too much? Am I not doing enough of the good stuff? And it's being honest, isn't it? And saying, you know what, look at yourself in the mirror and say, what can I do better today? Really? You know, what can I, how can I stop poisoning myself a little, a little more? I mean, it is just having an honest conversation with yourself. And, you know, I read this really great book years ago. They talked about the concept of Kaizen. You familiar with this? It's like it's Japanese philosophy. Really, it's about doing something very small and very positive every day, and just doing that every day—a little, th- little bit extra, a little bit extra, a little bit. And after a while, those little things just kind of grow to something that's really big. And it doesn't have to be a massive change. Like, okay, I'm eating too many chocolates. I'm never eating chocolates again. It's like I'm going to eat one less today, and then you keep doing that, you know. And little things. I'm going to walk a bit. If you've got social anxiety, I'm going to walk a bit further today and the next day I'm going to speak to someone today you know just gradual improvements it's um it's, it's doable and uh, over time you look back and think wow six months ago I couldn't leave the house now I'm at the corner shop buying a paper or whatever you know I really love that Dr Joe actually and um I think without realizing it's definitely something that I have done um I go to the gym every day but it started with the membership. The membership stayed in my pocket. Then I drove to the gym and I went for coffee in the gym. And then I drove the next day and I did five minutes in the gym, then had the coffee. And now I'm there for two hours every morning. Um, and I, well, not every morning. I don't go on a Saturday. Um, but it, it it's really good for my, my soul, actually. It isn't just about my fitness. It's about good habits. And, yeah, yeah. Um, 
First of all, Amy, you I love you, and I'm so, I'm so glad you're part of this team because you, you like you you're pushing me in a direction I need, definitely need to go into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also amy i mean i mean i know this is kind of like what would amy do day but i mean sorry it's, it's, it, you know it, it's um no it, and i say this positively is um you probably don't understand that to the positive effect that you're having on other people um yeah. you know smiling and talking to people you know that great whoever you spoke to they'd be thinking ah oh, that was nice i enjoyed that and they mean that might pass it on you see you know it's about passing on good habits and kindness and this type of thing spreads and you spoke earlier on alex about the you know some of the negativity i think sometimes it's just don't focus on it so you know what can we do Uh, and and we can do simple things um walk down the street and smile at someone good morning you know it's a nice thing to do let somebody cross the road in front of you just little things they add up and and the more Mm. we do the more it spreads and it becomes not a movement but i think you said before amy just normalizing better behavior Yeah. yeah And I want to give a shout out to the guys uh, from Men Walking and Talking as well. They've seen a lot about these. And I've been, I've been to one of their, their, I was meant to go Wednesday and I got to Thursday. I said, oh no, I've got to go to the Men Walking and Talking thing. But I did go and they are, they've started something very positive, very good. And it's spreading across Shropshire as well. They're doing it in Newtown and they're doing it in Telford. They're doing it in Shrewsbury. And it's literally, you just meet up with a group of guys. You go for a, a, a walk. Uh, a couple of miles, few miles, and you just walk. If you want to talk, talk. If you don't, you don't have to. You just with a group of guys that just want to be around other people. You know, you can be as quiet or as loud as you like, and they're a great bunch of guys. I'm, I'm going to go to a couple more because I sell. I did. Uh, I, I was going to go on one, and and then and get them on on the show. But I thought, actually, do you know what? I'm going to enjoy this for a bit myself because it's yeah. genuinely really really yeah. nice. So. Um, that's what I'm going to do. You guys will have to wait till they come on the show till they've enjoyed it a bit Actually, more. Actually, do Doctor Joe, have you seen that maybe the rise in anxiety levels is more dominant in one sex? Has it become more are men more anxious because they're they're supposed to be the ones who can fix life and stuff and you know be masculine and um, have they have they suffered more or do you think? females have suffered more or is there no difference oh I, I don't have any data on that to be honest so it'll only be anecdotal i mean without stereotyping um which you know, i wasn't I, was no, just... no, I, I know i know you're not but just to, to clarify my answer uh you know i think women tend to this tend to be a bit more open about it which which is mm. great and, and women share share more mm-hmm. which is wonderful and we do see a lot more women come through willing to talk about it uh, and men, unfortunately, tend to internalise it. And this comes out then as maladaptive behaviour. So, you know, drinking too much. Uh, and it all can sometimes come out as anger and aggression. And I, I get this a lot in, in occupational health. You know, people, the, the referral says, you know, this, you know, not a team player, uh, trouble um, you know, with anger and aggression. And when you, you speak to these guys and, you know, they're just really anxious uh, and they don't know how to communicate it. And, you know, when you drill on down, you say, listen, you know, there are, you need to start talking about this and being open. We're all vulnerable. We, we all get sick. Um, and this is this is fine. But what's not fine is letting it get worse because you're not helping anyone. So it, it is that conversation. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of distanced, even though my wife is working from home. 
Um, I'm kind of distance away from it because I've kind of worked all the way through it. I mean, I, I, I remember myself joking. I was like, I could do a bit of quarantine. I'd like to sit and play on my Xbox for a couple of weeks. But then I found that I found that was really insensitive, actually, because people genuinely really poorly quarantined. And I was just like, oh, what, what kind of world am I living in right now? It's just a really weird situation. Um, but like, um, is there is there an understanding between uh, something maybe you've seen, Dr. Joe, but is there an understanding between companies where they, they can't necessarily force someone to the office? They kind of got to take their time, wean people back in, maybe do a couple of hours here and a couple of hours there until they can sort of cope with it a bit better. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, when I'm doing my assessments, I do every week. Um, it very much depends on sort of the culture of the company, which often is led by whoever's at the top. Yeah. Um, and, and that drives it. And unfortunately, I mean, I dealt with a couple this week, which unfortunately the culture was toxic, you know, 1980s type of bullying scenario. And, and mm. you know, I was talking to a, a poor chap who, you know, he was very unwell mentally. He wasn't before. And I said, how would you be if you weren't in work? He said, I'll be fine. And there he was, you know, getting counselling on medication. I'm thinking that is an instance of work making you sick. Um, and you, you can't, it's very hard, to, the, the referral came through and it's very hard for me to actually said, said listen, you've got organisational problems here. It's not his problem, it's the way that you're treating him very poorly. And this is the outcome you get. If you stress people enough, they, they, stop, they stop working properly. Mm. Um, so there's so much that work people can do. And if you look at the stats, you know, about the... the 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 loss in um, productivity in, in work due to anxiety. Um, I just wrote something down here. In 2007, the Sainsbury Centre for Mental Health, they reckon the cost of mental health to business in the UK at the time was about £27 billion. Um, They think it's about 30 to £40 billion now. Um, wow. and, and about 10% of that is due to staff turnover. So you see it in companies that keep on losing and rehiring staff because they're not managed properly. About 30% of that is sickness absence. And remember, anxiety and depression is the commonest cause of sickness absence. But the majority of it was poor productivity uh, because people were stressed and they couldn't actually do their job just due to the bad structure at work. Really good companies will acknowledge that and they'll take active intervention to that. So it's a mixed bag to answer your question. It's it's. Can you imagine though? Uh, your productivity is down. What we're going to do is we're going to send you home to work for about three months to see how your productivity goes. You can sit in your onesie and do your work and see how we get on. <laughs> it, it's worth trying though. It's, it's, it sounds daft, but like you know, this is a, we're, we're living in a world now where productivity is up because people are around, uh, you know, at home in their comfortable surroundings. And they're just cracking on with it. My wife just gets on with it. She really does. I'll come home from work after a night shift. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and she's like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> she's getting on with it. She doesn't pay attention at all, but she's hardworking, you know. But I think it's like, fascinating, Alex, what you say. I mean, you know, what? Why are people more productive at, at, at home? I don't think anybody knows yet, but it's a fascinating area. Yeah. Um, about why are some people less productive? It's hard to know, but there's definitely the driver for productivity is you know how people. Um, perceive their job um mm. you know we see a lot of this you know uh, and if they're in work and they feel micromanaged or they've got poor communication or there's you know incivility uh, and all these things just chip away at someone whereas if you're at home maybe you don't have those things you know mm. this is this is one of the most important things that has happened in, in, in our lives, I think, for a while. You know, it's, one of, it's completely rewired our brains, rewired society, the way we work. Uh, like, you know, Dr. Joe was saying, the way we're all communicating now about our emotions and stuff. It's, it's one of the most 
important parts of, of society right now. And I feel like even though I, I do talk about COVID a lot on the on the biscuit, and I don't want people to think I'm stuck in lockdown. I'm not. I feel like it's really healthy to talk about how things are changing and how we're all adapting and stuff. This is why I always bring it up. How are you coping with it? How have you adapted? And how uh, what positive things have you learned? Um, you know, Alex you know, working in an office, is there anything positive that you really actually genuinely appreciate that's come from uh, the, the pandemic? Yeah, I think um, even the sort of that flexibility of uh, working from home and uh, being able to go into the office. And, and like you mentioned earlier, people found that they're a lot more productive uh, at home or in some instances they're not. But I think just having that sort of uh, that, that that choice and the sort of you know the trust that has been given by uh, your employers uh, I think it really just sort of it helps people feel a lot more confident you know and they're able to you know still carry on with their you know their day-to-day lives and their jobs at home um, and it, it just sort of it's positive I think it's positive reinforcement and I think that's one thing I really took away um, last year at my previous workplace you know there was that sort of trust was there you know the communication was still open um, and like I said, okay, I was isolated from uh, my, my work colleagues, but, you know, we still managed to stay in contact. You know, there's the, the occasional phone call and passing it over through on the mobile phone, for example. But, yeah, I, I think that's uh, one thing I've taken away that's uh, really helped and uh, I see as a major positive. It does sound really positive, Alex, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just something I've even taken, you know, going back into the office, you know, it's something you sort of take for granted, isn't it? You know, being uh, being able to speak to anyone and everyone, but then when they put in that extra effort and, you know, they give you that sort of choice of, oh, you know, take your time, you know, come back in for one day a week, two day a week, you know, let us know how it is for you. And I think that's something that's, uh, yeah, I think it's something a lot more uh, businesses need to take on board. It's interesting, you're, you're... Alex, you say that because, I mean, you know, COVID has, has been, you know, a creative, destructive element, hasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it has destroyed a lot of the old ways of doing things, and a lot of them actually needed to be destroyed, you know, work mm-hmm. practices, <laughs> uh, and, and what, what's created in, in, in place. We need to take that opportunity to create and build back better to misquote the big man <laughs> i tell you what if i'm in the queue to, in, in the queue for a shop and someone stood right behind me i'm kind of like whoa you know, <laughs> even though those dots have gone off the floor i'm kind of like hey back off and let me i don't want to want to smell you or you want yeah. you know, to share my coat with me what's the matter <laughs> you know? um but I, you know obviously uh before speaking to you dr joe i've been doing a bit of research and obviously you did um you did a, a seminar right a webinar um uh in yeah. in july about occupational health and what employers need to know most about the pandemic um uh-huh. how did that go? how was that for you um well again all these things are you know you have to do your bit of work beforehand so from a um, professional point of view it was it was very fulfilling um i'm not too sure um what the attendees thought to be honest but i think again it's just about getting the conversation going isn't it and, and getting talking about about these about you know what was going on during COVID, what we could do to maintain work and maintain morale uh, and keep people safe, uh, and and that alters as the prevalence of the con- the, the infection waxes and wanes. Um, but I think what has been quite useful about this is is why we're having this discussion today. It's allowed us to make change with regards to how we approach each other and how we deal with you know sickness and worry. Uh, and hopefully in a positive way. That, that's the way I see it. I think what we need to get away from as well is 
Whenever I hear about somebody's got uh, COVID, there's always that oh. <laughs> you know, oh, they've got COVID. Oh, we need to stop blaming people for getting COVID. I've got to put that right out there right away. If someone's got COVID, it shouldn't be. Go- oh, they've got COVID. It's oh my god, have they got? Are they okay? That's the first thing we should be asking, not victim blaming. <laughs> it's just a weird situation. I see it so many times. Have you seen? Have you seen that a lot, Amy? Or you guys? I I think what I've a little bit. You know, somebody would say, "Yeah, she's got COVID." It's like, oh, where did they get that from? And it's oh. like anywhere. You know, it could be anywhere. But um, yeah, I think I I have seen it where people have on their way back from a PCR test, just pop to the shop or um, or popped, you know, just to see a friend while they're waiting for their results. And then you can't help but sort of be a little bit, mm-hmm, really, is this what you're doing? Um, what we're doing? I did, I did have to, okay, so for the first week of the very first lockdown, I live um, in quite a remote area with lots of lovely walks you very rarely see anybody and during the first week of lockdown i was at my kitchen window and i started judging because i had nothing else to do my kitchen window is huge and i was watching my lane it's like "Uh uh-huh where are you from but i've never seen you and then i stopped and i think now my philosophy is a little bit more you do you and i'll do me and i'm doing everything i can and the rest is your call because we can't judge, can we? we? We've got to stop because ill judgment just becomes becomes your soul, doesn't it? And then we all become quite picky, niggly people. And I'm not doing that at all, think, ever. Yeah, I think that's a very positive thing, Amy. It is, isn't it? You know, people kind of find some sort of weird gratification in judging. And I just think mm-hmm. it's a toxic thing to be doing. Uh, and you're right. It's about risk analysis and, and looking after yourself and your loved ones. And and, and that is really important just to start with. Uh, yep. And, you know, if, if, rather than judge, it's to kind of think, okay, what can we do slightly positively, you know, with regards yeah. to um, people getting COVID? And you're right there, Alex, you know, it's a highly, highly infectious condition. That's why there's a pandemic after all, you know, and it's really hard not to get in crowded areas. I mean, where I am in Cardiff, you know, it's a busy town. Uh, and mm. unless, you, unless you're literally staying away from anyone, it's really hard not to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Joe, I, I've loved, and, and Alex, of course, and, and Amy, Amy, welcome to the biscuit, man. I love, that I, I love chatting about this. And, um, you know, you're welcome to talk. Come on, if you want to do some workshops or if you want to uh, invite people on to talk about this, I, I love that we've broken the ice with you, Dr. Joe, and we can do this anytime. And uh, is there anything that you're you're working on at the moment that can where people can probably find a bit of information and ways of coping through this? Um, well, if, if for example, um, there's there's loads out there to be honest. I mean, I, I have I've been doing lots of different bits of work. Um, this isn't my main area of work, but um, mm-hmm. for example, there's uh, if you look on the um, H, if businesses want to know, the HSE is a really good resource for COVID, um, and there's lots of things, there's lots of links there about what they can do to make their workplaces more COVID safe and what their rights are as well, and that's really important to know. Um, if you, you know, Alex uh, can put you in touch with um, our councillors if if you need those as well. Um, yeah. You know, and we're also working on other ways that we can intervene with people uh, early and and um, and help them from that point of view. And we're working towards, for example, uh, 
helping helping other people in the workplace monitor their 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 um, medical observations remotely, so they're not having to go into the doctors. So we're trying to do a lot of things to adapt for this and empower people to to be more in control of their own health and well being. Amazing. Um, Alex, have you got anything to add on this? Is there anything you want to put on this or any, anywhere that you would like to steer this maybe for the next episode? Um, fill us in. <laughs> um, I think, like you say, just the sort of whole conversation in terms of anxiety. And I think, you know, a great sort of next topic would be where do we go from here? So, you know, what's the next step after we've, mm. you know, gone through the, the sort of uh, the anxious. It's all changing, isn't it? It's always yeah. changing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so say if we do get through this sort of a, this next phase in, into 22, for example, you know, what, what happens next? You know, we've finally got, you know, there's this mention of this, uh, this, this, this pill now for uh, addressing uh, patients who have COVID, you know, so you can ingest it orally rather than having the vaccine. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys are. I've heard about that. No, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's, that's sort of the next phase, if you will. And where do we go from there? And like you say, it's it's just like, like the flu the bird flu and, and so on and so forth you know what's what's life going to be living with covid because i think this is just the very start yeah i mean talking about you know long covid is an interesting topic uh, and what it means the prevalence of that and and the varieties of presentation it's not just breathlessness i mean it affects every single system and um there's no way of knowing how or badly you may or may not get covid it's kind of not dependent on you know how bad you had COVID doesn't equal how bad you may have long COVID, uh, and what that means for for people and especially in the workplace as well. Yeah, I've seen people that get COVID and they they disappear for ten days, come back and they're fine, and some people just they're ill for a lot longer. Yeah, so it's weird how it affects people differently. Yeah, I mean it's an ongoing study, and it, you know in ten years time they'll reflect back and understand why, but at the moment we don't. No. Well, it's always changing, and you guys are welcome back on the biscuit. Maybe in six months' time, we can meet up and be like, "Hey, how are you? You know, what, how how have things changed?" Maybe we can do that. I'd love to. Uh, That'd be great. We, yeah, I'd love we, to. That'd be perfect. And if you're listening to this episode and you want to say, you sort of step in and you want to have your say, please get in touch with us. Um, you can get in touch with us via our, our website here, which is uh, the Shoes for Biscuit Podcast UK. There's a contact us bit on the on the website there, and it'll come to my emails, and we'll, we'll get in touch. Amy, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? just i think what i'm picking up is maybe we need to start teaching from quite a young age coping coping mechanisms uh self-care etc etc because there's one certainty in life you may not need your geography gcse but you're certainly going to have to look after your mental health so maybe we need to go back younger and teach people it's a thing that we need to do Empathy is so important to teach kids. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think, you know, Amy, what you just said there, I think is spot on. Uh, and also it's a, it's a simple message of um, look after the things you can control and try not to worry about the stuff that you can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we'll put a pin on it there. We've run over. I said about, about 40 minutes this episode. We've done an hour. <laughs> I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> but what, what I will do is I'll tell you about um, um, some changes. We'll, uh, I've been putting on our YouTube some vintage biscuit episodes. Um, so go to our YouTube. Give us a, a subscribe. We're over 300 episodes now. I've been doing this for a few years. Uh, so from our, some of our earlier episodes are being released on YouTube exclusively because we never used YouTube as a releasing mechanism for our podcast podcast never did it so um, if you fancy going back and listening to some of those classic episodes go to the shoes with biscuit podcast 
on YouTube and give us a subscribe. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we will, we'll catch you next time on the Shoes of Biscuit. Um, peace out. Peace out.